We've been discussing the last few classes on the subject of competition and the desire to compete that we all have. I just, I just like to conclude the subject. Now, obviously, there's a lot more on the subject, but maybe this will be our last class on that subject for now. We just read in Parashat Yitro, of course, we read about the Aseret Adibirot, the Ten Commandments. Obviously, the Ten Commandments that we were given at Har Sinai have tremendous significance and were chosen from 613 mitzvot to be given to us. Obviously, they're fundamental, the most fundamental of mitzvot. And when you read them, it's very clear why they are so fundamental. You don't have to be a genius to realize why these mitzvot made it to the top ten. You start with Anochi Adonai Elohecha Asher Avadim. We start with the commandment of faith in Hashem. You have to know there's a creator to this world and that he's involved in our lives. You cannot be you cannot be a Jew without having faith in Hashem. That's commandment number one. Second commandment is that we shouldn't have any other gods. We shouldn't have idol worship. We should not give any power in our minds to anything but the Creator. Obviously, idol worship doesn't go with being a Jew. The guy can't say, I'm Jewish, I don't believe in God. Out. Guy can't say, I'm Jewish, but I, I worship idols. Out, you're not, you're not a Jew, what are you doing? So these are two fundamental halachot. Another one, which means you're not allowed to mention God's name in vain. You can't just throw around God's name. There's a certain reverence, a certain fear and awe that a person has to have with the creator of the world. You, can't, you cannot live your life with doing the right things if you don't have that reverence. Good. Number four. Zachor et Yom Shabbat, the all-important mitzvah of Shabbat, like we say by a good Jew, we call him Shomer Shabbat, because Shabbat is that mitzvah that every Jew every week makes a proclamation that I believe in the Creator who made the world in seven days, and I try to emulate him by resting like him, and a Jew without Shabbat is hardly a Jew. So that's a clear, important mitzvah. Who can argue on that one? Honoring parents, not only because they're your parents, but also because it's a stepping stone to honoring the Creator. Appreciation for your parents is a stepping stone to appreciate the Creator, which is really the foundation of all service of God, is to appreciate and to try to give back to reciprocate what he's done for us. Kibud Abba'em is the mitzvah that we use in order to be able to get there. And then on the other tablet, we have all the mitzvot between men and men. Lo tirzah, can't murder. Who, who, can, who can say they have a, a normal Jewish life if they murder? Obviously, it's fundamental. You can't be a Jew and murder. Lo af. 
No adultery. Same story. Don't kidnap. Horrible. You go to court and you lie in court about somebody to incriminate him. You put a guy in jail by lying, by false testimony. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one of the most terrible sins because unlike many things that happen, you know, how does one make it to the top 10? Because a lot of things that are mentioned that, oh, that people do to each other, they happen sometimes on the fly. So, for example, you might kill somebody because you got very angry and, 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 and you went ahead and did something horrible. But to go to court and to go testify on somebody to set him up that he should fall and get punished for something he didn't do, it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of planning. You don't just walk into court and start talking. You have to know what you're saying. You have to know how to set the guy up. This, is, this might be weeks and months worth of preparation all to bring the guy down. So this is a very, this is a very unique avera between men and men that is premeditated, planned out, and looking just to bring a guy down. Good. You, can, you cannot be a Jew with such a, such a mindset, such an attitude. And then the last one is Lot Ahmad. Lot Ahmad means a person should not be envious. Lot Aver, we find in the in uh, in Vayit Hanan, when we have a repetition, it says over there, Lotit Aver Betraya. Lotit Aver means just the fact that you are in pain because somebody has something that you don't have, you're over and he's sore from the Torah. A person who has such envy, such jealousy, is going against the commandments of the Torah. And this commandment, you know, it's a hidush altogether to tell people not to be jealous. Because at the end of the day, they're not doing anything. They're not hurting somebody. They're not acting on it. They're just, they're just jealous. They just feel bad. They're just in pain. The Torah not only commands this, but it puts it as one of the top ten. Which is surprising. Because, you know, I, I can't be a Jew with all the things I mentioned. I, I can't be a Jew if I'm jealous. At the end of the day, I come to shul every morning. I pray every day. I say hello to every person. Even the people I'm jealous from, I try to be nice to them. So if you look at me from an external vantage point, I'm doing fine. What's, what's the issue? Okay, you're right. I'm suffering. I'm suffering inside. But I'm jealous. But it's, it's not possible to be a Jew without jealousy. That's what you see in the Ten Commandments. You see that jealousy made it to the top ten. You see from here really a very strong backup to what we've been learning the last few days. The Yetzirah is telling you it's not just the jealousy itself that's the problem. Besides that jealousy is wrong. Besides that jealousy is painful. Besides all that. Perhaps the biggest damage of a jealous person is that he is ignoring the battle with himself and to upgrade himself. He's so involved with competing with other people, he forgot who he is. And he forgot how... 
he needs to upgrade his life and to fight the real battle and to compete with the Yetzirah. Perhaps that's the biggest damage of jealousy. Again, jealousy is a waste of time. Waste of time meaning it's not even real. It's all made up. Number two, it's painful. Like we mentioned, the majority of pain, and the overwhelming majority of pain in life is from people jealous of each other. It's not so much that I don't, that I can't enjoy what I have. It's because he has something else, something more, that I'm not able to enjoy what I have. That means most, the over, I, don't, I don't mean most, 51%. Most means the overwhelming majority of pain in life has to do not with me lacking what I have. It's with somebody else who has something more that may look more enticing. And now I feel frustrated. Now I feel miserable. Now I feel I don't have what I need to be happy. In reality, Hashem gives every person what they need in life and how much of it they need. Like the Pasuk hints, the end of the Aserat divrot says, when it talks about Lotahmod or Lotitavet, it says, do not be jealous of your friend's house. That's pretty relevant. Don't be jealous of his business. Sadehu. His business. Relevant. Avdova Amato, his employees. Maybe even housekeepers. Depends. Some women, they get very jealous of houses. And it's a big item. Shorova Hamoro. His car. His, his vehicle. And don't be afraid of anything that your friend has. So they ask a question. If you're going to say, which includes all-inclusive, why do you have to itemize his house? Isn't his house included in call? Isn't his field inclu included in call? If you say all, so it's all. It means his house, it means his wife, it means his business, it means his car, it means his plane, what's missing? So make up your mind. Either itemize the things or say everything and from there I know they are all included. But to say both is somewhat surprising. So some say beautifully and it's not the simple peshat in the pasuk. For sure it's not. But it's a beautiful peshat. Some say that the vechol asher is hinting to us to the solution. Meaning, I just told you, don't be jealous of this, don't be jealous. It's very easy to talk about it. But, but the reality is, I'm jealous, what should I do? So the Vechol Asher is actually coming to give you piece of advice. How not to be jealous of all the things that I mentioned. Vechol Asher Which means, if you want to be jealous of your friend, if you find yourself looking at other people, and saying, oh, I want his house, I want his car, I want his family, I want this, I want his business. If you find yourself constantly looking at what other people have, so says the pasuk, you know, I have a solution for you. Whatever you're jealous of, take it all. Take his height, take his weight, take his wife, take his mother, take his mother-in-law, take his... Take, oh, okay, okay. Take, take, take. take Maybe maybe he has uh, uh, arthritis, God forbid. Maybe he has some kidney issues. Maybe he got... Take the whole thing. Take it all. You want... Good. You want to be jealous? 
take the whole thing. And if you actually know the whole thing of the guy, you say, you know what? I'm good. I, I'm comfortable with what I have. It's not fair, says the Pasuk. It's not fair for you to say, I want his car, but nothing else. I want his house, nothing else. I want his eyes, nothing else. You can't do that. If you want it, take it all. Because there is no human that has everything. That's not the way Hashem made the world. Hashem made the world that every person's got a package. In the package, he's got things on a higher level than others. He has less of this, more of that. He's got a challenge here, less of a challenge there. Everyone's got their package. So it's unfair to us telling you, you're living in dimyonot, you're living in imagination. Because the guy, imagine, could there be a room of a hundred people and all of them are jealous of the other guy. You'd say it's not possible. A hundred people, you could say maybe half will be jealous, 50 will be jealous of 50. But it could be that 50 are jealous of 50 and those same 50 are jealous of the other 50. Because you have two guys jealous of each other, you'd say it's not possible. If one guy is jealous of the other, it means that the other guy has more than him. Can it be that simultaneously they're sitting in the room together, he's jealous of him and the other guy is jealous of him? You'd say it's not possible. But it's reality. It's 100% possible. Why? Because each one is always looking based on what he's lacking. So the thing that he's missing, so that's what he looks for in others. And the other guy looks what he's lacking. So you have two guys looking in the room saying, oh, I wish I was that guy. Look at his house. The other guy says, oh, I wish I was that guy. Look at his family. And the other guy says, I look, I the same people could be killing themselves. Why are they not the other guy? You would say it's not possible. It's reality. Call Asher Lera'echa, says the Torah. I have a solution for you. Instead of walking your whole life trying to be like what, trying to have what other people have. When we say, well, by the way, when we say try to have what other people have, it's okay to want things that other people have. It's okay to say, you know, he has something nice, I also want it. But to feel in pain and dissatisfied, and that you can't enjoy your life until you have it, that's the terrible mistake. It's okay to be ambitious, to have more. You see people have things, you also want things. That's not called jealousy. If you want something like that, but that it should cause you a lack of satisfaction in your life, and now you can't be happy until you get that, that is a sickness. And if you don't relieve that sickness, you can't be a normal person. It made it to the Ten Commandments that if you're a jealous person, you will destroy your life. You will destroy your relationships. You will destroy your happiness. And worse of all, perhaps, is that you'll spend your whole life trying to compete with others in order to become successful. Where in, and in reality, you're ignoring the battle of real success. How, that, that's even worse, perhaps, than the pain that you have real success in your hands. Here you are, we're living in an imaginary world. And imagine a guy, imagine a guy, and he's just a talented person. He's very talented in real estate. He can go buy buildings and sell them and rent them and do. He's unbelievable. He's top. He could be a billionaire. And instead of buying buildings and renting them and refurbishing them, 
he decides to play a virtual game online all day long. He's buying and selling and refurbishing and doing and taking and, and finding businesses. All day, it's all he does. He's, he's like, hey, how do we do it today? Oh, it's great today. Wow. Yeah. We, we rented out a whole building. We, had, what a, we got a big, because all virtual doesn't exist. On video, the guy is awesome. He has absolutely nothing. So what's the problem with this guy? Two things. Number one, he's wasting his time. And number two, even worse than that, during that time, he could have been doing something real. That's the biggest loss. Not just wasting your time. During that time, the same effort, instead of playing a video game, play a real game. Go buy a building, go make money. You come out with nothing in that case. That's what we do in life. We're playing virtual games all day long. We're virtually imagining why we need this and why we have to beat that and why we're losing to him and why we're not happy yet. All life away, we're competing. No, it's very bad to compete for nonsense. And it's painful. But the worst part of it is, there's a real business of competition and it's being ignored. You're saying you're the same person day in, day out. You're not becoming better. You're not growing. That is the biggest loss of all. That's why Lot Ahmad, perhaps, is part of the Ten Commandments. Because if you live that kind of life, you're going to be living an empty life without much growth and without and with a lot of pain. That's it's very, very important to know that strong support for the Havot al-Livavot that we've been learning. The Pasuk says in Mishle, Kin'at Sofrim Tarbe that when Talmideh Hachamim are jealous of each other, they will become smarter. So you see that jealousy is good. So the answer is to that question, there is a healthy kind of jealousy. For example, I see a guy, my neighbor, me, I get up 9 o'clock every day, not so interested to wake up early. As much as I could stay in my bed, that's what I do. I'm lazy. My neighbor next door, 5.45, I see, he's turning his car on every day, going by 9 o'clock. By the time I get up, he already... He learned two hours. He already prayed. He's already he's full motion. I'm still waking up. That type, there's a jealousy there. It's not jealousy of, oh, how come he has what I don't have? That's not, that's not the jealousy. The right jealousy is if he could do that, look at that. Why can I do that? That looks so great. Why don't I do that? The right jealousy is to be inspired from what people do and learn how if they could do it I could also do it but it doesn't mean I'm jealous of him getting up at 6 so I gotta beat him and wake up at 5.45 that's also not good even in Torah for example I see a guy learning Torah I say wow look how much effort he puts in learning why can I do that that's healthy but if I see a Talmi Hacham and say you know what I want to be a bigger Talmi Hacham why can I be as big why can't I be as respected? Why can't I know as much? That's not kosher, that jealousy. The jealousy of, of why can't I also do to become something better because I see him doing, that's good. But if it's I want to get higher than the guy or at least be on the same level as him because look how people look at him and look 
at what he's accomplishing. I also want to be like that. That's not a kosher jealousy. A kosher jealousy is a good jealousy. Is when you see people accomplishing. You see a guy, he's calm. Say, you know what? I love that. I'm jealous. But I could do it. When you're jealous of things that you could do. And your jealousy promotes you to be able to work hard to also become. That's great. That's not a comparative thing. That's using someone as your inspiration, your motivator. We should be motivated in life. When we see good things, we should say, oh, wow, I wanna, I'd love to do that. It was once on that point, it was once a, uh, a person that came to a great, great gadol, great person to get a bracha. So he comes to get a bracha and the rabbi tells him, you should be a gadol bat Torah. You should be a great person in Torah and mitzvot, ma'asim tovi. Okay. So the guy says to the rabbi, you tell me, hacham. He says, can I get a special bracha? Jet. What, what do you need? He says, I want to be the gadol ador. I want to be the great luminary of the generation. Wow. So he has, he has big uh, aspirations. Big. So the rabbi says, I'm sorry. I'm not able to give you that bracha. He says, I can bless you to be the gadol ador. But I can't curse the Jewish people. They should all be less than you. What do you, what do you mean be gadol ador? That's, that's not an ambition to be the greatest of the generation. Why can't other people also be the greatest with you? You could say, I want to be great. I want to be the greatest I can be. But to say, Gadol Hador, I want to be the best in the class. Why do you have to be best in the class? Be the best that you can be. Follow? There's a big, there's a, sometimes we cross very, very uh, sensitive lines between horrible and great. So yes, there is a jealousy that is very healthy. It's the jealousy of seeing someone doing something and saying, you know, I should be able to do that too. Why can't I do it if you could do it? And you work hard to be as accomplished as that person. Now, once we see how, how powerful this is, it's important to realize that in life, things, feelings, like we discussed on Shabbat, do not change by themselves. You need to do things. You have to be proactive in eradicating this terrible sickness that we all were born with. Obviously, fighting the Yetzirah, coming to class more, learning more, lear working on our character all that for sure will help our jealousy. It's members, the same energy, like we learned. If you're going to focus your energy on yourself and making yourself better, automatically you're going to be less jealous because you're focused on the war with the Yetzirah. So that automatically veers you into a different section of life. But a person needs to take steps in their life to do the opposite. You know, the, the Balim Musa say, when a person is, is uh, stuck 
with a certain character flaw, sometimes you have to go to the other side to be able to get it back to be normal. So there are things in life that a person must sometimes do that will promote lessening this feeling. It's not enough to walk out of a class and say, it makes so much sense. You're right. Who's going to argue what we're talking about? Obvious, it's simple. But it, it really doesn't do anything because walking out, knowing something, when you're not well in something, doesn't make you better. There needs to be a proactive approach to figure out how to change it. So I want to share with you something that happened in Parashat Naso. In Parashat Naso, there is a famous description of what took place by the inauguration of the Mishkan. It says over there that when they inaugurated the Mishkan, when Moshe completed the Mishkan in the desert, he anointed it. Basically, he prepared the Mishkan and all its vessels to be ready for service. What happened? It says, Just like when you have a Hanukkah Tabayit, people come in, they bring you gifts, they want to share the Simha with you, you're starting a new home. So also in the Hanukkah, they're not going to start the, the Mishkan on day one. Regular, regular service. It's special. So what happened? The Nesie Yisrael, the leaders of Am Yisrael, the presidents of each tribe, Vayakrivu, they brought gifts, they brought sacrifices. Good. Vayaviwet korbanam lifnei Hashem, and they brought them to the Mishkan. Now we know, we know that this is the famous long portion in the Torah where basically each one brought the exact same gifts as the one after him. The first one that brought the gift was, says, who went on the first day. His name was Nashon ben Aminadav. He had it easy. Ashon, he could choose to bring whatever he wants. He wants to bring less. He wants to bring more. He's the first one coming in. So he brought Korbano. What was his gift? Karat Kesef Ahat. He brought one silver platter. Shloshimu Me'amishkala. 130 was its weight. Mizrake had kesef, he brought a basin, right? whatever he brought. He brought fine flour, he brought go a golden uh, uh, spoon full of ketoret. He brought a bull, par ehad ben bakar. Ayil ehad, he brought a ram, he brought a keves, he brought a sheep. Se'irezim, he brought a goat. He brought zevah shlamim, he brought two, two uh, cattle for uh, the korban shlamim. He brought whatever he brought. That was, obviously these things are important to learn probably why they brought that those things. But that's not for today. Fine, that's what he brought. Says the Pasuk, 
after a number of Pesukim, that was his korban. Done. That was day one. By Yom Hasheni came the second one. Was he crave Netanel ben Suar. Netanel ben Suar was the leader of Yisachar. He went on the second day. Now he had a big problem. Because now the first one already Set the, set, the, set the standard. He set the bar. He brought whatever he brought. You know, when someone does something, guy has a wedding. He makes a nice wedding. Now you come to make the wedding a week later. What are you going to do the same wedding? You got to change something. A little, a, little, a little more here, a little different there. You got to do something. You know, it can't be the same way. I'll be the same guy. They're going to say, oh, you copy Nashim Amin Adab, Baruch. You copy Kat. Do something a little more. Let people see that you have a flavor in your life. Good. What does he do? Netanel ben Suar. It's a very hard decision. You know what he did? He copied him exactly. It's really, it's embarrassing a little. You know, someone comes with a gift. And he, even think by a wedding. Imagine by a wedding, I copy you exactly. It's not just, I'm not trying to outdo you. I copy you exactly. You had the, these curtains, I have curtains. You made this hoppa, I have that hoppa. You got these flowers, I got exactly the amount of flowers. People walk in and say, wait, did he, did he just copy everything the first guy did? What are you guys, no, uh, no originality? What, is your, what, what, kind of, what kind of guy are you? I'm saying it's, it's not just he didn't try to outdo him. He brought the exact same thing. I would say it's embarrassing. The guy walks into somebody's house with a gift, a lavish gift of all different things. The guy after him looks and sees what did he get. He goes to the store, buys the same ones. Come on, be a little original. Stop copying. Netanel ben Suar made a very hard decision. It's not just he didn't try to outdo him. He did exactly the same. Why did he do that? Because Netanel ben Suar was a person who was viewing what would happen next. You know, he has still 10 more after him. He goes and he makes the curtains a little higher. The next guy makes the flowers next. Has he but a 12th guy? What do you want the guy to do? The guy has to make it on the moon that it should be original. There's nothing to do. It's a horrible system. So he could have brought something different, something more. But he realized that by doing that, he's causing the guy next to him to also do more. And then the guy next to him to do more. So it's not so much that he couldn't do or didn't want to do. And it wasn't so much that him doing would be so good. If he did a little more, what's the big deal? But he was realizing that this would play into Lot Ahmad. You're playing with fire that people have inside them already and you're causing people to suffer. Says Netanel ben Suar, I'm making a very hard decision. I am 
going to bring this same exact thing at the cost of people saying just a copy of you have no originality you didn't think you can't think you don't even know how to bring gift you had to copy the guy in front of you it was, it was embarrassing for him but he did it because he was thinking about other people's failure and weakness in jealousy and he did what he could to help himself and others not to fall into the trap. This is such a beautiful mitzvah that he did. Listen to this. That in the Bet HaMikdash, you have to know a rule. That on Shabbat, you cannot bring korbanot. Because bringing a korban requires certain actions that are Hilul Shabbat. You can't do it. You can't slaughter an animal on Shabbat. So on Shabbat, there's no service in the Beit HaMikdash. The only kind of service that is allowed in the Beit HaMikdash is a service of the Tzibur. If it's coming as a sacrifice for the Jewish people, for example, we, we pray Shaharit on Shabbat. That's the Korban Tamid. They brought the Korban Tamid on Shabbat. They did bring the sacrifice. The daily morning sacrifice was brought. But that's not a personal sacrifice. That's for the Jewish people. They brought Korban Musaf. We say Musaf because that's a communal sacrifice. Anything that's communal is brought in the Beit HaMikdash as a Korban. A guy comes into the Beit HaMikdash and wants to bring a Korban on Shabbat. They tell him, I'm sorry, we can't do that. You can't bring personal sacrifice on Shabbat. The only thing that Shabbat allows is a korban of the tzibur. Except for one time in history that they allowed a korban of an individual on Shabbat. Notice the Nesim, the 12 leaders. How many days it took for them? Twelve. What's what has to be part of the twelve? Shabbat. Seven. Ah, wait. How did he bring it on Shabbat? Doesn't it say they brought twelve and thirteen days. Twelve and twelve days. The next day, by Yom Hasheni, by Yom Hashelishi, by Yom One of those days is Shabbat. How did they bring? It's a personal gift. How did they bring that on Shabbat? Hear the question? Answer is because the ones who were bringing the korban, although they were individuals, they brought the korban. In their mind, they were worried about the people. They're bringing their gift, but they were conscious of everybody else. They were thinking about the Jewish people in general as they were bringing their own gift. So Hashem says, I consider your personal gift as if you brought a korban of a tzibur. That's how important it is for me. A korban tzibur is so important. It's Dohe Shabbat. Your korban, individual, that has in it the sensitivity of the people around you that may get hurt and may eventually have to suffer because of you and you thought about that, 
So your korban is not individual. Your korban has the power of a tzibur. Could you imagine I give you a mitzvah? You do a mitzvah. So you get credit for doing a mitzvah. One. Could you imagine how much is the credit? What's the weight of a thousand, a million people doing the same mitzvah together? How much is all the mitzvot together? How much do they weigh? You'd say, wow, that weighs a lot. I mean, I'm one person. I do a mitzvah. But the weight of a million people together doing the same mitzvah, huge. Hashem says, when you do a mitzvah, when you do an act, even though it's individual, but you're thinking about other people not getting hurt, it's considered as if it has the power of all of them doing the mitzvah with you. And therefore, it pushes away the Shabbat. I say, this is something that everybody here could do. All of us can be better at this. When we make a simha, we also need to think about that. We need to think not only what korban we could bring. We need to think about, what about the next guy? And what about the guy after? Yeah, yeah I can afford it. Great. But am I causing people to suffer? And you might say, well, what does it matter? That's their problem. They, the Torah says, they, they, they have the commandment. They have their problem. Tell the guy, don't be jealous. I have this. I have, don't be jealous. It's your issue. But it's not like that. It's not, you should know it's not like that. Just because other people have a commandment not to be jealous, the Torah expects us to know that they have a weakness and not to, not to do things that might bring that feeling even though it's wrong. You know what we see that, by the way? You know what we see that? We saw in this week's parasha. I don't know if you, maybe you missed it. In this week's parasha, parashat Yitro, I should really give you homework and tell you, come back tomorrow and tell me where we see this in parashat Yitro. But I'm assuming you're not going to get it, so I'm going so to tell you. You ready for this? Where do we see the Torah expects us to be sensitive to other people's jealousy, even though Torah commanded them not to be jealous. Why do I have to worry about your jealousy? Don't be jealous. You're not supposed to be jealous. So I have to worry that you shouldn't get jealous? You have a commandment. Don't be jealous. It's your problem. What do you want from me? People say that all the time. If they can't afford it, so they won't do it. It's fine. And that's, that's their thing. What, what, do you, what, what do I have to worry about that for? Comes the Torah and says, look at these words. Talks about the children of Moshe Rabbeinu that came back with Yitro and Moshe's wife. It says, He brought these two children. Asher, Shema Ehad Gereshom. The name of one, Ha'ehad, is Gereshom. Ki Amar, because Ger Ha'iti Ve'Shema Ehad Eliezer. Anything, anything wrong with that guy? Shema Ehad Eliezer? You mean, you mean Shema Sheni? Do you mean the second one's Eliezer? Imagine you say, who are these people? Well, this Raya Ehad, the first one is my son, and the first one is my other son. 
You don't talk like that. Shem ha'ehad, the first one, and then you say Shem ha'ehad again? Why should I say that? Because you have to treat your children as if they're ahad. Because there's jealousy. They'll say, oh, wow, why would you give him that? How come you, spoke, you speak to him like that? As much as you can, you have to try to treat them like they're both ha'ehad. Because even though they're not supposed to be jealous, they're not supposed to be. But you have to act as if you know they have this problem and therefore don't be the cause of them being jealous. Jealousy has destroyed families, has destroyed brothers and sisters, has destroyed marriages, has destroyed so much. Families, fathers and children. Jealousy is horrible. Torah says you have to be aware that people have this problem and it's your problem. Don't do things that promote their problem, even though it's their weakness. Unbelievable. So we do have to be worried about it. And I say, I have a dream. I have a dream. I have a personal dream. And I'm working on the dream. Someone wants to help me. I'm ready to work out, but I'm already in it. I'm already almost not in full swing, but half a swing. I have a dream to build a beautiful hall. A beautiful hall that every person can be proud of. A beautiful hall where everybody will come in and have a standard beautiful wedding and focus on the hatan and kala. You want uh, blue chicken, green chicken, we could do that. You want a blue flower, but, but that's it. This is it. The, come and enjoy your wedding. Stop trying to enjoy your wedding by trying to be above others. We have, we have in the yeshiva, we have in the yeshiva, we made a beautiful thing. We, made, we didn't know it was going to work. We didn't think it was going to work. You know, bar mitzvahs, we say, you know what? We're going to make a standard bar mitzvah. We're going to make it beautiful. It has to be beautiful. One price. You just tell us what you want, what color, and that's it. It's very, not, not, very in, not very cheap, but not expensive. And everyone gets something very nice. You come in the day of the bar mitzvah, like a guest, like everybody else. You walk in, you have everything ready for you. So is it, is it going to work? Are people going to do it? It every. Single person is waiting on life. Rich, poor, mediocre. Everybody wants that. You know why? Because they relax, they enjoy, and they focus on the happiness of the bar mitzvah. Instead of wasting months, months of different planning and frustration and this. And, and did it come out right in the end? I saw one guy. You won't believe it. I saw one time a guy upstairs in the ballroom for his wedding. A billionaire. I saw him on the top rung of a ladder on the day of his daughter's wedding. He didn't, he didn't like a certain curtain the way it turned. I, I, I don't exaggerate. Can't make that up. Could not believe my eyes. He's up there fixing the curtain, all upset why it wasn't exactly done the right way. So maybe it's a little exaggerated, but what do, what do we need that for? Is that really what we need? You get a, first of all, it's not so expensive. You don't have to waste money on, on, on stupidity. And everybody could do it. It's not for poor people. It's for everybody. Every person can be proud to make a wedding in a nice, it's a beautiful place. Once, it's all about competition. If everybody is happy to do it somewhere, everyone will do it and be happy to do a beautiful wedding focused on the hatan. Come enjoy. Most people don't even eat to come to the wedding. Most people, they come in for 10 minutes and walk out. 
What are you going crazy for? It's not necessary. But you have to do it. You you have to do it. Why? Because uh, they're looking at me. I don't want to be embarrassed. I have to do something. Everyone, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. And the community is paying a lot of money and paying a lot of heart attacks from such smahat. It's important to know that. In my estimation, a place like this, a beautiful place, can save the community 10 to 12 million dollars a year. That's a real, that's a real estimation. So that's a project that I want the zechut. Rabotai, I want the zechut of this project. I want that my legacy will be that whole. That's the legacy I want. I'm working on it. I have something. I'm working on it. Anybody wants a zechut, can be involved with it. But it's a real zechut. I'm telling you, from all the things that I've done in my life, I want that to be the zechut. That every simha should be a simha. Bottom line, you see, you see from this parasha, even though a person can, he should be thinking about the overall community and how to help not only his daughter, but everybody's daughter and everybody's wedding. And such a person becomes a very big person. You don't become a small person. You become a korban sibur, not a korban yahid. Become a very big person when you start living your life with awareness. And that's what was done by the Mishkan. And this is something we have to keep in mind. Yes, it's a terrible disease and we should not have it. But we also have to be aware that other people do have it. And we have to do what we can to help not only ourselves, but others in not falling to this problem, to this disease of kinah. Have a beautiful day, guys.